this week on episode 27 of the Dying Alive podcast. It's comedian Bill Wirtz, and he is, uh, in fact, correct that everything has been canceled. I'm Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as always by my guests, my guests, my co-hosts. That's the second week I did that in a row, and I'll tell you what I listened to the show last week, and I caught myself doing it. I said, "Oh, that was so ugly," and I just did it again. Pat Damp of the Pens Vlog joins us. <laughs> Surprise! Mike Darnay of Pensburg.com on the internet is also here. What's up? Going to be a Game of Thrones heavy podcast tonight because let's be honest, there's not a whole lot of good things to talk about when it comes to the Penguins. That is correct. Yeah, there isn't, is there? Pat, you predicted them to win in five. That's certainly not going to happen. Uh, Mike and I predicted them to win in six. Also, not, not going to happen. <laughs> For all my Scrubs fans out there, not going to happen. No, not going to happen. So, so how many games do we think this is going now? Well, well hold on. Now. Let's do one better. What percent chance do you give them of winning four in a row? Zero. You say there's absolutely no chance it happens. Yeah, and part of me is saying that so that I hope I look like an idiot and I'm wrong, and they do. Um, I think it ends in six, which means they probably lose tomorrow night. I give them Pat? less than 5%. Put a number to it. Three, <clears throat> split the difference. All right. And, 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 okay. Now I have my reasons for saying zero. Also, um, if they were playing like they give a shit, I think I would give it a higher chance. But they are completely, from my perspective, they are playing into the hand of the Islanders completely. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into. Uh, Micah McCurdy, ineffective math, hockeyviz.com. Officially, the crab, the crab visualization has the Penguins at a 6% chance to pull off the four-game-in-a-row run. I am not that uh, bullish on the Penguins. I will go at 2.7%. Yeah, I feel like 6 is about as high as you could go. You can't go higher than 6. Yeah. Nope. You'd be crazy. Nope. You'd be crazy to do it. So, uh, do you want have like an airing of grievances in terms of what's gone wrong. I mean, that's right. Yeah, like that's really yeah, all I mean, we can do. Festivist. I mean, yeah. Can I go first? Sure. My, my grievances are the fact that obviously the Islanders have a game plan with Barry Trotz, who knows the Penguins very well. And if the Penguins were doing everything right, this still could be a very close series. We look at game one, Penguins played well, still went to overtime. The past two games since then, the Islanders are in every passing lane and every shooting lane, and the Penguins are still passing and shooting the puck right into them. It seems like it's almost willful on purpose. Like, like they just aren't trying anything else, it seems. It's like, oh, I'm just going to pass the puck right through the slot to this guy where there's two Islanders standing. Like, we know the middle of the ice is going to be clogged, and they just keep banging their heads off the wall doing the same thing. Or, conversely... They skate the puck into a one-on-four situation. When, oh my god! Constantly. Like, and but but you know what the disconcerting part about that is? Well, there's multiple areas that are disconcerting. But with regards to how game one ended, game one ended 
because that's what Chris Letang did. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you, you to just can't to do like that. You, like you know, the Islanders are keeping three, four guys back. So you skate into him, which automatically gives them numbers ahead when you turn it over. Right. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, what is the most concerning thing for me is. And Dom LeCision wrote about this today when he wrote about the Penguins in Tampa both being down 3-0 and what are the odds and percentages that they come back, right? Game one, the Penguins for three periods did what they needed to do. They played fast, they played up-tempo, and regardless of, of the Islanders' system, they made them trade chances. And if you trade chances with the Penguins, you're most likely not going to win, with the exception of an overtime where there was one mistake in the games on a razor's edge because, obviously, its next goal wins. So one mistake means the end of the game. Game two and game three, they played, as Mike said, directly into the Islanders' system. And it's it's a classic case of, we didn't win, now let's overthink it, rather than, we did everything right, the coin flip didn't go our way, so let's switch everything up. I mean, we we have seen a Penguins team who have been very careless with the puck in December and January, and it's like, all right, they're going to turn it on. And normally they do, but they're still playing so careless with the puck that it looks like it's December and January again. But they did down the stretch. They simplified. They, I know, they, that's they what managed I mean. the puck better. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get fucking amnesia because they lose game one in overtime. Look. Here's another like harsh reality. I don't think Chris Letang's been particularly good no. in this series. Um and obviously like this is an interesting situation because you know he's healthy and dominant all year goes out of the lineup against Philadelphia, comes back, says, no, no, that was too fast, sits out again, and then immediately comes back and then plays. So I I just don't think that he's anywhere near 100%. Not to, like, excuse his performance. Brian Brian Dumoulin, I can can confidently say, is nowhere near 100%. No, no. Just by watching him. Yeah, when your game time decision for – Game first one. playoff game, yeah, and and even just not outside, I don't not outside, I don't know, uh, whatever I was going to say, not from a physical. Shut up! <laughs> I didn't from, say, I, it I heard I heard somebody laughing. I heard somebody laughing. Take a breath. It was yourself laughing. <sighs> not from a physical standpoint, but they are just playing so poor mentally. The one on fours, the the Justin Schultz pinch. Uh, that led to the Brock Nelson goal in game three. It's just like, what are you doing? Um, right. So the, the, the Schultz pinch you mentioned, I don't know that Justin Schultz has been bad. I think game two, he was okay. Um, game one, he was okay. He's just okay, though. Um, Eric Goodbranson, uh, I'm, he's, I'm pleased with his performances. He's been yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. He has okay. been perfectly serviceable which where he goes in the lineup is all you need he does not to be he does not need to be a superhero marcus Pedersen it's been a mixed bag um terrible penalty in game one it was just yeah. stupid yeah going then, back going back to good i was gonna say he has played 
at the level where I don't think he has, he, he can't be somebody you point at to blame for everything going wrong. No, no not no. at all. Um, it's like he's, he scored the goal in game two and then you quickly want to say Cabranson giveth, Cabranson taketh away because he was on the other end of the, the goal against, but it's like, you don't blame. Right. So, so he was in a bad spot, but he didn't do well in the bad spot. Yeah. You know, that yeah, was just like yeah, an ugly, exactly. Yeah. It's an ugly way to end. Yeah. Now I'm going to be honest. Jack Johnson's been absolutely horrific. Yeah. Absolutely horrific. And that's not hyperbole. I know it's a popular thing. People think that like, I, I get like my, my rocks off, you know, talking about how bad Jack Johnson is. Like, I don't, you have to understand, like, you know, I, uh, business is good for me when the Penguins win. It's good for all yeah. of us when yeah. the Penguins win. We have something to do. We have something to write about. You know, I don't, I don't cheer for this. Okay. What I'm saying is the objective truth. Jack Johnson has not been a good player all year. When people yeah, said, and, when people and, said that he rebounded his game, what they meant was that Matt Murray was really good. And, and, and yeah. a lot of what Jack Johnson had been doing previously got masked by the fact that Matt Murray went unconscious for an entire month. That, that Matt and, that, that Matt Murray was playing out of his mind, and that he wasn't, and that Jack Johnson wasn't visibly and constantly a liability. And Jack Johnson's performance in that first playoff game was abhorrent. It was absolutely abhorrent from chasing hits, you know, and it's just like, we need a physical defenseman that's in there. Look, being physical is only good when it's taking place in an area where it's effective. And I watched Jack Johnson chase hits all over the ice in game two. Um, I mean, his lack of awareness and coming out of the box and just running into everybody. Oh my God, I mean, it was just, it's been ugly. And he, could have, Oli, he could have been penalized twice. Oli Mata was bad. You know, don't get me wrong. He wasn't good in game one, but I was shocked that Mike Sullivan made that change. Yeah. That was very, very reactionary to me. Very and, reactionary. And unless, something... unless Oli was not able to go, which I don't think that was the case. No. And I was going to say something I don't think is mentioned enough is all the focus on Jack Johnson goes on his defense, what he does in front of the net, whatever. There's not enough talked about how he completely neuters the Penguins offensively when he gets in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. He it's he is, uh, I think it was I think it was um Jason I can't think his handle off the top of my head but he mentioned and pointed out how um he gets in the offensive zone he knows he can't get back defensively so he doesn't actually shoot the puck because he's afraid of it going off if he misses the net it's a it, the puck's going the other way so he just dumps it to the corner instead and when he doesn't he handles it like it's an active grenade. <laughs> it, it he fumbles it around. He doesn't. He he makes panic plays up the wall. He makes panic passes to nobody. And I'm sorry. You can tell me that. Oh well, you know he's good in front and he's good at that. He's not. Period. End of discussion. He is the Penguins' eighth defenseman, and I'm pretty sure they're only carrying seven. <laughs> and look, I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a somber reality. Okay? Cuz what you see is what you get here, and it isn't going to get better next year. Nope. And I want you to tell me if the Pittsburgh Penguins can get back to where they need to be with him taking regular minutes. No, no they can. Me. You don't have to finish I mean, that. No, they cannot. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. We we look back at 2016, 2017, even 2018, they didn't have a c- true complete liability like this anytime they stepped on the ice. I mean, Ron Hainsey was bad, but he he did dangle James Neal. He did. Ron, Ron Hainsey <laughs> he, was he, serviceable. He, 
we mm-hmm. should we should never forget or never let people forget that he dangled James Neal so bad in the Stanley Cup final that he wrecked into his own teammate. Simpler times. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, it's bad all around. The star players haven't been anywhere near where they need to be. You know, the, 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 the physicality of that Clutterbuck Martin line is just totally neutralized. The Crosby, which shocks me. And that makes me really mad because I like the shit on that line. But I think I, we all did before yeah, this uh, I series started. I, I specifically, I shit on them when game one came out and they talked about how the Islanders start every period with that line. And I made fun of it period one of game one. And I think I've got roasted by that line every period since then. Yeah. It's been a pretty constant roasting. I, I mean, it's game one was as even as even gets, right? They they didn't play poorly. They didn't play greatly, but it was an even opening round matchup. And I don't know, Pat. After that game, I said, I don't think the Penguins will play that poorly again. I mean, little did I know. Yeah. You know, a narrator voice. But um, they did. I don't think they were great. No, I'm not saying that they were great. What I'm saying is was – Game one was an acceptable performance to where you can look at it and go, wasn't their best, but you know what? They're on the road. They're against, they're against a team that has all the motivation in the world because everybody's been saying, oh, they have home ice, but they're definitely the underdog. They're playing the Penguins. They're not going to do dick all playing the Penguins, but, you know. <laughs> so game one, you're expecting to go in that manner, whether it's overtime or a loss, because jazzed up team, jazzed up crowd, it's going to happen. Games two and three, those were abhorrent. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they scored two goals, one by Eric Branson and the other by Garrett Wilson, just basically says everything you need to know. Yep. Do you get the impression that they're just, like... They're ready for it to be over? Yeah. I kind of think so. I mean, I'm, when, when Komarov scored the third goal yesterday, I'm like, all right, that's it. When it was 2-1, I didn't think they were going to score a second, let alone score two. I agree with you. They haven't spent enough time in front. They and, haven't, and, they haven't and, forced the Islanders yeah, to try to when, play a different way. When they've gotten in the offensive zone, they either turn it over easily or try to force it to a guy who's in a bad spot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. And I, I just I, – I know and I know I'm going to get – roasted from a lot of our audience for this i know his underlying numbers are great i know it's been effective dom simone should not be on the first line oh you and jeff are gonna have to fight that's it listen i i don't disagree with the stuff jeff has put out okay i get it he drives offense he drives possession they're not doing anything with the possession this series. That should be Jared McCann. I don't know that I agree with that either though, Pat, because my what I've advocated for myself is Patrick Hornquist. And I know people I, don't want to hear that, but I was I think he could take, yeah, he take a beating. I'm in that camp because he can take a beating and it might be able to get him going. I don't dis- no, I don't no. I don't disagree with you guys on that either. I, I just I, I think I think that I think they're I think the line Pat was at its worst when McCann was up there for game one. They just got walked on. And I know I, I think it was because he struggled with you know playing that puck retrieval role. 
I can agree to that. Yeah, and he got destroyed by Kyle Clutterbuck. Yeah, and got hurt as a result. Yeah. So if I can try to – Can I make a, can I just make a quick comment before I forget because yeah. I'll forget? Yeah, go for it. Uh, a lot of people have made a big stink about the officiating in game two. Um, I agree. I thought it was terrible, but I also thought that the that the linesmen were particularly bad in that game. Yeah, um, yeah, especially from that standpoint, blowing the whistle early on several icing calls, several icing, and also several offsides. Like that's why the challenge is given to the official or given to the coaches that if it's offside, they can challenge it. If it's if it's a bang bang fifty fifty play, let it go. Well, here's the other thing too. Um, Anytime you lose me as a linesman when you make yourself the star of the show and a dot. Yeah. You know, and in the playoffs, you can't be taking guys out. And nobody, nobody shows up to see the guy who drops the fucking puck. Yeah. And you can't be making a big stink out of some dumb shit in the playoffs like he was. I and mean, that was just ridiculous. Both of them Agreed. were at fault. The, yeah. other thing, the other thing I want to say on that before I get to the original point I was going to make there is let me preface this by saying officiating is not at all the reason the Penguins are down in this series. Okay? Clip that, listen to it, repeat it. But I cannot stand playoff officiating. Sucks. Because here's the thing. LeCision did a piece a while back where basically he broke down the differential of penalties drawn – against penalties taken, right? And let me just throw this out there. Um, uh, Jeff Fayette did the same uh, study today. So you want a fresh one, you can get it from Jeff Fayette. Uh, He just broke it down on his website as well. And essentially, there's maybe one or two teams that is is significantly on one side or the other. (laughs) Excuse me. Bless you. That is so dumb because... There is a bias toward fairness with the officials. Yeah, so, and that's what Jeff, Jeff. That's what Jeff found today too, Pat. Is that there's a forced parity. Like, I mean, every everybody in the world knows when makeup calls are coming. And and I I can't remember who it was that tweeted at me about this, but they basically said, and the broadcasters will always say, well, you know, as long as it's consistent, you know what's consistent? The rule book. It, there is consistency in the rule book. The rules are the same yeah. for all 31 teams, for all 82 games, in every game of the playoffs. So if it's and here's, and here's the thing too, Pat. You know, like people, you would think anyway. And I don't know if I don't know if general managers actually do this, but you could build your team for to be a team that draws penalties. You, can, you know, you, the Penguins in a lot of ways were that. You know, um, and, and I just feel like you, you neutralize the build of a roster. When you can't call the game in a regular way in the postseason. Right. And there are a myriad of reasons why the Islanders are up 3 nothing. Officiating is very, very, very low on that list. But the roster they have composed benefits from playoff officiating. Because there were two or three times in Game 3 where Sidney Crosby had a guy bear-hugging him on his back... And you're just sitting, the refs are watching it going, well, playoff hockey, you know, it's uh, it's it's a slog, it's a grind. Like, he's got the free hand wrapped around his shoulder. That's holding. That's the standard you tried to set 
after the 04 lockout that the free hand is holding. You cannot use it to impede a player regardless of situation, zone, possession, period. You can't do it. So the fact that it doesn't just, get called is ridiculous. Yeah, and it goes both ways. Brian Dumoulin got away with an interference call yesterday that was brutal. Like the A puck was, blatant interference. It was it was passing the faceoff dot, and he skated the guy into the corner and hit him like three times. Yeah, and that's interference. Period. Yeah, end of story. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, if and if if people want to play the officiating angle, that's fine. But the Penguins' power play hasn't been good either when they've had power plays. Yeah, and and, and, and to to put a final bow on this. Um, I can't remember who it was. I, uh, Casey Zizekas, I think, knocked Jake Gensel off sides, and they called the offsides. And Phil Bork on the radio goes, "Well, you know, if this is a game in February, Zizekas is probably sitting for interference. But you know, it's Game Three of the Stanley Cup playoffs opening round, so it's not going to be a penalty tonight. Why? Why? If it's interference, it's interference. It shouldn't matter the time of year." And if it's like ticky tack, I, I can understand cutting out the ticky tacky stuff. You know, I get that. Like, you know, letting more stick checks go and, yeah. um, you know, making guys take longer paths to pucks. You know, I get that stuff. But some of this stuff is just absurd. But um, again, that doesn't have anything to do. That's just a complaint about the league as a whole. That doesn't have anything to do oh, with this series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, this series has got nothing to do with that. Like, um, like, I, Justin, like, like I said, like I said, it, it's there's a myriad of reasons the Penguins are down 3 nothing. Officiating is probably the last thing on that list. Um, Justin Schultz had an interesting comment today when, when he talked openly uh, with the media about the, how the direction of the team has changed. Um, some people took that as a perceived shot at management. What say you? I don't think it is just because – you know what? It's just because of the way hockey culture is. There isn't a lot of that because it's bashed into these guys' heads that you have to sit down, you have to take what's given to you and not rock the boat. So what he's saying is more of a, you know, we're a different team now, so we got to find a different way to win. That's the way I took it. I, I didn't uh... – yeah, I didn't see it as like a hey, Jim Rutherford sucks. He took yeah, her feet away. Yeah, and I think I, I mean, think he even, wouldn't, he wouldn't I, be wrong if he said that. But <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. And I think if it was a shot at management, it probably wasn't intentional. Yeah, no, yeah. it was accidental. Like an like an out of context insult. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show in terms of percent chance. Uh, but how many games do you think the Penguins win before this is all said and done? At best, two. Yep, at best, two. Zero at worst. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to win tomorrow. I I would I would not be surprised if they lose tomorrow. Neither would I. I mean, Everybody kind of like the fact that they've only led for five minutes in the entire series of three games. Why would you think they're going to win? Yeah. What do you make of Mike Sullivan giving the team the day off? I don't hate it. I was I was going to say I'm indifferent on it, but it certainly brings back the uh, the takes from 2013 and 2014 of the country club in Pittsburgh. I, I mean, you know what? I, I I did a little mini thread on Twitter about it 
this morning when it came out that uh, he was giving them the day off. You know what? I don't hate it because, you know, let me let me pull it up real quick. I, luckily, I have Twitter up on my phone, so it won't be hard to find here. But big, well, you have Twitter on your phone? I have it pulled up because there was a tweet I wanted to read a little bit ago. Whoa. Um, basically, everyone's going to flip out over it, but if I'm the Penguins and I'm a player on that team, I want the hell away from the rink right now. Like, the, nothing they've done has worked. They're, they're, they got booed on their home rink multiple times yesterday. So for 24 hours, just disappear. Go play video games. Watch the new episode of Game of Thrones. Take a walk. Walk your dog. And you know what? We on this podcast and we as fans can have our complaints and discussions about roster construction and all that stuff. And that's all well and good. But we'll, let's save that for the summer. This is the team. So just stay home. Get your mind right. Fight for your life tomorrow. I think that um, there's been scuttlebutt about Mike Sullivan, um, you know, losing his job or you know whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's not that's not correct. Well, you know, and I and I said today, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but um, you, know, you can't make them drink. And I just don't think the Penguins have it right now. I just don't think they have it. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. You know, I just don't, you know, systematically, I, I don't know what Mike Sullivan can do. You know, I, I they just shown them the video, you know, they've worked on the drills and practice, you know, they were working, um, you know, into, you know, as a group before game two, playing neutral zone, keep away to try to, you know, stress the importance of puck possession and holding onto the puck at the key areas of the ice. And it's just not translating. So yeah, and I, I think there's something also to say that even though all the, percentages had them in the playoffs at high 90s for a month leading in that they still didn't get in the playoffs until what two games before the end of the regular season and it kind of showed that you can't take three months off in the middle of the season Mm. yeah i agree and to kind of build on that i i think you know not to go too intangible on this but I feel like 2016, they had a motivation to prove to everybody that we're better than this. We're better than getting a coach fired, and we're better than a team that's on the outside looking in. 2017, they had a chip on their shoulder. You know what? The the takes be damned. A team can repeat in this era. And then 2018, it was just the end of the road. You know, we've played more games than anybody over the past three. Don't you go dying on us. This is dying alive, not dying dead. It's allergy season. (laughs) But 2018 was just the end of the road. They played more games than anybody over those previous three seasons, and it just, they hit a wall. And this year, I, I just don't think it's there. The takes be damned is the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> takes be damned, the Jesse Marshall story. Yeah. Well, I uh, yeah, put me down. I don't think the Penguins are going to win another game. I think that'll be it. So, if I can put a final bow on this before we move on or <clears throat> talk about something else, I'd like to read a tweet from the criminally underfollowed at four hundred four response code. Mm. Great, great account. He said yesterday, quote, can only speak for myself. 
but it's night and day how a, few, a failure like this feels after two recent cup wins. Feels like anything else that happens in the 87-71 era is just gravy. And you know what? I gotta say, I agree with that. We confirm that that's a man behind that account? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll agree with Pat that it is criminally underfollowed account. Always very level-headed. Yes. Good takes. Yeah, yeah, good takes. And, and, good and, takes. And you know what? I, I know people don't want to hear that. I know people want to hear us ethering them and calling for heads on pikes and <laughs> wanting everything to solid use of pike. Yes, thank you. Because I know what we got a lot of correspondences about, so I gotta get my mind in the right place. So I mean, we have to have a little perspective. What we have gotten to watch over the past 13 years. Some franchises never get to watch over two years. So, yes. Shit, uh, shit. I mean, we don't even need to talk about 13 years. Just the the two-year run of 16 and 17 alone is worth the price of admission. And and you know what? I, I, I obviously, I always want them to win the Stanley Cup. I want them to be the best team in the league forever and ever. Amen. But what we have seen over the past few years there are franchises out there that will never and have never seen this. So before you try to turn this into woe is us, this is everything is bad. We all need to be upset and angry. Just remember for a split second, how lucky you are because you could be an Arizona coyotes fan. Yeah. It's a lot easier and a lot more fun to laugh at the penguins being down three zero. Yes, it is. Um, let's get this out of the way too. Should the Penguins get eliminated tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, we will continue to do shows. Yes. Yeah, there is a correspondence about that, but yes, correct. We are not taking an offseason. Where there's hockey to talk about. Yeah. You'll find us. When there's hockey to be talked about, you will find the Dying Alive podcast. Is that a new tagline? That's terrible. It's awful. It's (laughs) it's absolutely (laughs) awful, but it's on par with this podcast, at least for me. It's also on par with Tampa Bay's start to the postseason. Eee. By the way, before we pivot away from the Penguins, um, what do we? What? What's the as, uh, Jesse specifically? You as the X's and O's guy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> see, I, I try complimenting you. You give me shit. Status quo. I- <laughs> but uh, what? What's the Islanders' game plan? Is their game plan? being worked to perfection. Oh yeah. It is to to quote you, is is their absolute dong fest being the key? Like there's nothing in the middle of the ice for the penguins at all. No, no. And here's like uh, and I think I mentioned this uh on the show last week and I definitely talked about it on the athletic, but like that middle forward is the one that's the real kick in the balls. Because if you work out of the Islanders double four checks they'll bring two heavy if you get around that they have another forward the f3 that's further back that attacks the first pass so you really can't breathe you know you have have to be quick you have to be quick 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 everything you have to do is is decisive you got to support the puck and you have to make fast decisions because i keep saying the longer that you take to break the puck out the worse it gets it doesn't get better the longer you wait. So I get like the penchant for wanting to be patient and, and things like that, but you really have to go because it, it's, it's a fire situation. It's like a fi- 
fire drill. You know, you, you, if you wait and you give them time, they're not going to peel off. You know, a lot of four checks will pressure and peel off. The Islanders are coming to make contact with you. So, you know, as those defensive, you have to get the puck out quick um, and, and your forwards have to be back to help. And then when the forwards get it, they're going to get attacked. So they have to move it right away too. And, and there have been moments in game two and in game three where the Penguins started out playing that way. They took a penalty and that was it. You know, it's like they never could continue the momentum. And the Penguins penalty kill, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, has been very passive. It's been very lane-centric about taking away lanes and, you know, kind of protecting the front of the net. I think that their penalty kill has been a momentum killer, even when they kill the penalty off. Yeah. Because they spend so much time backed up and chasing yep. that they can't get back on the front foot again. Even even yesterday uh, during game three, the power play comes out. It's like, all right, well, they didn't score, but it wasn't a bad power play. Maybe they'll have momentum. Nope, gone, just like that. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that real quick, uh, if Jesse said something to the effect of, I don't have power again, and Mike's response was, neither do the Penguins. Jesse, what would your response have been? Zing. That is why you and I work well together, because he tried the same <laughs> joke with me, and that was the exact <laughs> response I had. <laughs> yeah, he told, me, he told me that you said zing. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's get a little around the NHL here, because I know we're going to the Game of Thrones segment of the show is going to be coming up. Um, Tampa Bay completely shit the bed. Yeah, and and this isn't Halak's stealing games. They are they're getting they're getting rocked around the ice. They're getting beaten. Similar to the Penguins, they are getting yeah, and, and 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 very similar to the Penguins. Also, I think it's very mental for them right now. And in the first, you know, ten minutes of that series, you were like, "Oh yeah, who didn't see this coming?" Yeah, it was three nothing Tampa Bay. <laughs> Yeah, and since the since then they've been outscored like like thirteen to two or something. Nazem Kadri is going to be out for the rest of the first round. I'm actually disappointed that they didn't put a number on this. I agree. They probably like it would have been better if they just put five on it. But I think they're. I'd have gone ten. I, oh, I agree. But I think it, like if they had said five. That gets him out for the rest of the series, but let's say Toronto wins the next three, then he's back. He's not back for the second round in the first two games. Um, I think their primary objective, which says a lot about player safety, was making sure this series doesn't turn into more of a shit show. Right. Right. Short term goals. Yeah. Really, was- really, really. Ugly. I, I will say it was brutal. Yeah, it was absolutely brutal. The Kucherov hit was brutal too. Oh, that I mean, was the difference, so bad. The yeah. difference here being he doesn't have that history. That, yeah, both Kadri very, had. both very intentional, very retaliatory, and and the Kadri one's so spooky from the standpoint that he got suspended in Game Two against Boston last year in the same corner of the ice. Yeah, that's so also literally. That's also a freezing cold take for me. Because remember, I said, and uh, I don't see Nazem Kadri getting suspended this year. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, uh, Joe Thornton got a game. Yeah, as expected, that was pretty brutal itself. That was full on head contact. Yeah, 
who was it that made the comment about him uh, wearing glasses? I did not see that. I didn't see that either. I'm going to Google it right now. Although I will say uh, one of my favorite coworkers had a great tweet about uh, Joe Thornton's suspension. Ryan Reeves. Um, Bob Pompiani tweeted last night the gif of Thornton's hit and was like, well, it looks like Joe Thornton's about to take the Nikita Kucherov one-game vacation plan. Yeah, <laughs> he did, and he did. Um, anything uh, – well, we, obviously we touched on Columbus, but uh, anything out there surprising you right now? Uh, the fact Car- that as we record Car- this at 10.30 Monday night, the Hurricanes beat the Caps 5 nothing, And they outshot them in that game. 45-18. to uh, 18. Yeesh. Five nothing. Let me ask you this question: Is there been a better player this postseason than Mark Stone? Nope. Mm, probably not. I don't think so. No. Part of me, just to be a contrarian, wants to say Jordan Everly. I was yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and I don't even think that's contrarian though. He's been so good. No. No, you're right. Got, not what, goals in three straight games. I, I I just can't put anybody's name ahead of Mark Stone. And the yeah. and the irony on the Everly thing is he got traded because there was concerns about his ability to perform in the postseason. Wow. You know, what do we make of Elaine Vigneault in Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm really just like ambivalent to it. Yeah, I'm, uh, much like many things in life, I'm indifferent. Elaine, I can't wait to wa- I can't wait to watch him lean on the model play defense, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's his that's his ultimate downfall. But the way I look at Vigneault is it's very much a meh kind of coach. Like he's not bad, he's not good, but he's not bad. It's like he can probably coach them through the regular season to get them back in the playoffs, maybe. I'm going to give another shout out to a player that I've thoroughly enjoyed this postseason is uh, Miro Heiskinen. Yeah, yeah, he's been fun to watch. So much fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Two two goals in game one, right? Played really well tonight, too. Real well. I just saw a highlight. (laughs) That's what made me think if I were watching the same thing. Um, Okay. Um, Before we go any further. If you are in the process of watching Game of Thrones or have completely watched or have not yet watched episode one of season eight of Game of Thrones, we're going to just go ahead and advise you to stop here because as we drop the the beats for Mike's segment, um, this is going to shift to a very Game of Thrones heavy show. So and there will be uh, with that being said, there will be spoilers. Drop, drop them beats. Uh, first question is from Tim Bowers. Got two here. Uh, first is, could the Penguins try and completely revamp the defense in the offseason, or are they stuck due to the contracts? Well, the Jack Johnson one's a real problem. I mean, you're going to have to pull off a Scuderi Daily type situation to get rid of him at this point. Um, yeah, because you have you have player who's a problem and contract who's a problem. Right. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, that's going to be the biggest challenge, and unless they pull a rabbit out of a hat, I don't know. Well, between Eric Goodbranson, Jack Johnson, and Ole Amato, you've got 11.3 million tied up. Is that good? No. 
I mean, out of those three, Mod is the most movable. So, sure, sure. Uh, Follow up question is: What would you score on number twelve at Augusta? Yeah. So, the the pin location plays a pretty critical role in all of yeah. this. Let's just say, for example, though, um, and I have okay. the map here. Let's how, say it was how, Sunday. How, okay, so you're looking at twenty one feet high and three feet in from the right side of the green. Sloped. Which way are we sloped on that, Mike? Well, let's see. Uh, there's a water hazard, so dock me at least two strokes. Well, this is where Tiger really made his hay. I'm going to save you the math, Pat. I'm just going to give myself a six. So the part three. I'm saying... I'm going... I'm going right at the pin. What's the distance on this? It, it's only like 160, 170 See, that's the so. thing is I'd rather go right at the pin and go over. Yeah, if I clear the water, we, we might be talking a four or a five. Because then I can chip back on the other direction. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll go five. I'm going to go with Mike and six. Because I'm not going to – yeah, I'm going to – I think I th- I yeah. think a five would be optimistic. Yeah, because optimistic. I'm going to three-putt it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was my thought. Like, like shot in the water – chip onto the green three putt unless i also told tim i told tim my my iron my fairway irons are just killing me unless darnay puts it within 10 feet of the cup he's one putting not happening because because when we play (laughs) when we played last week dude mike was crushing putts from inside 10 feet that that five to seven foot range i was all over Mm. uh let's see here question from melinda what potential second round matchup are you looking forward to? Islanders. Mm. Islanders Capitals. Barry Trotz versus the Capitals. Yeah, that's really the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's very intriguing. At this point, Columbus Toronto. Yeah. I mean, like, they both have so much skill up front that that might just be a goddamn track meet. See, yeah, yeah, very well could be. Um, Hannah asks, so when the Penguins get swept, who gets traded first? Holy Mata. Probably. Like Pat said, it's the most movable. Okay. Uh, I'm going to finally say it. Phil Kessel. Yeah, I... I could I could see arguments, not arguments, but I could see reasons. Here's what I'll say about a potential Phil Kessel trade: Do not fuck this up. Be, yeah, be, and they, and and if you and chances are, by trading Phil Kessel, you will. Listen, if you can bring in, <clears throat> if you can bring in twenty to thirty goals. And 80 points, whether I'd be between two people or just one, I'm okay with it. But if you don't bring that in, you have lost this trade full stop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Question from D. Coulter to Game of Thrones question. Did you or did you not say out loud, fucking creepy ass brand, stop staring at everyone? Nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm switching up on the brand storyline. I'm all in. Yeah. I've had a complete 180 on brand. I, love, I can't share. I, I've shared my thoughts with, with with everybody on the show. I'm going to keep them private. But uh, I have a theory, and it's not that Brandon is the Night King. And 
and if and when you're correct, we will confirm that you were correct without Perfect. revealing the theory. Perfect. Perfect. And Bran, we have it recorded though. Bran, we do. Bran's, yeah, yeah. Pat, make sure you cut that and save it. Yeah, I'll save that as a, I'll save that as an individual MP3. I did love that when everybody got to Winterfell, Bran was like, "Yo." A lot of shit going on. Let's knock this cordial <laughs> shit off. We gotta get moving here, folks. And then they know the reaction though was like disappointing. Like Brand nobody... Bran was Bran was the guy who you have a dinner reservation for like eight dudes for like seven o'clock and it's like six forty five and it's a twenty minute ride. He's like, guys, let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile the other seven are like chugging PBRs. <laughs> Uh, let's see. David asks, when does the front office realize the blunder they made in extending Jim Rutherford and cut their losses? That's, that's a spicy, a that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a spicy meatball. It's a real spicy meatball. I'm not advocating that he fire Jim Rutherford. I just wish he'd listen to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then. Like, you know, it's like, you don't need to fire Jim Rutherford. You just don't need to sign Jack Johnson. <laughs> Every now and then, go go visit whatever cage you locked Sam in, and be like, "Hey, what are you thinking?" Oh, he's not in a cage. You got a better dig than that. Trust me. Okay, fine. His do studio we, apartment. Do we need the bare minimum? Need, he's in a queue. Bare minimum. Do, do we need to ask Sam Ventura to fire a warning flare if he's in any harm? I, I'd want to get Sam on the show, but there's so much that he wouldn't be able to talk about that we'd have to like. That we'd have to not have him on the show. You know what? You know what? Maybe he likes Game of Thrones. So we could, I bet we could have, we Sam have Sam on the show. Get, like, like, I will sign a contract that we only talk about Game of Thrones. Sam, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to him about this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Danzer, he has a question about the Penguins. Uh, says he shuffles papers and asks, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. It's going to be tough to top that one this week. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, have a Penguins question. Why did Sullivan throw his lines in a blender prior to game one? In particular, why break up Simone Bugstad Hornquist? I'm with you on that. Yeah. Amen. Uh, refer to the last question, shuffles papers. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean Carney, best and or favorite single scene from Game of Thrones? <sighs> I'm, if I can refer to it as an entire scene, I know it was the name of. I was going to say it was the name of a whole episode, but the specific Battle of the Bastards, the battle scene itself. I got to look up the quote, but yep, it was. It was the whole scene was great, but the final quote was awesome. When the snow falls and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Oof. Uh, Rachel asks, as a break from discussing what is wrong with the Penguins, what is wrong with the Lightning? They're just not in a good place they, mentally. They didn't face any adversity all year long. Yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, uh, you have a team who was locked into the President's Trophy with three weeks left in the season, facing a team who basically was in a must-win game every game for the last three weeks of the season. Yep. So, I mean, I know none of us picked the Blue Jackets, but uh, it's not surprising when you look at it from that standpoint. I wasn't expecting Tampa to lay an egg like this, but I don't know. Hey, um, 
before I forget, uh, shout out to Anthrax Jones for coming back uh, for that yeah. last playoff. That oh really cool. man, I love it. Like one of the best entrances to Twitter I've ever seen. That is, and, he, and, he, and he comes back and just starts ethering Toronto and Boston at the same time. Unbelievable. Dude, that, that is the surprise Royal Rumble entrance that tops yeah. all of them. Uh, let's see. Actually, I'm not asking that question. Never mind. Uh, Graves asked, did you see Tiger win the Masters yesterday? I flipped through the Masters permanently when it was 3-1. I was flipping back and forth before that. I watched it on replay. See it. I had gotten spoiled that he had won, though. Um, by of all things, an ESPN app. I was going back and forth. And then when I saw that, uh, what's his name? Molinari went in the water twice. I was like, all right, it's on. The Penguins are playing bad. We're switching over. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I work for a CBS uh, Rachel, affiliate, so obviously I saw it. <laughs> uh, Rachel had a follow-up with the lightning question that I missed here. Uh, says she also just played a Game of Thrones board game with some friends in honor of the new season. Uh, do you ever play board games? If so, what is your favorite? I can't think of a favorite off the top of my head, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Fuck Risk. Risk sucks. I was just about to say how much I loved Risk. <laughs> you know what? I, I'll put I'll put an asterisk on that, and I promise I'm not walking it back. I still don't like it. It's tainted for me because there's obviously a very large element of luck for Risk. But there was a friend of mine in college who always be like, "Yeah, man, there's a total strategy to play in Risk." No, no, there is what rolling six rolling sixes. Well, there's strategy, but it all comes down to the dice. Yeah, yeah, and he would treat it like, oh, yeah, I don't care what the dice do. I got a strategy. No, you don't. You do not. I mean, you, you can have a very good strategy and then roll ones and be out of the game very quickly. Um, I always like Clue. <laughs> can I just read this real quick, this Anthrax Jones tweet? Yes. <laughs> By all means. This is, this is fresh. Uh, real talk, Flames is a dumb name for a team based in a nation where fire wasn't even discovered until 2002. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, welcome back, Thraxy. Welcome back. Uh, this is not a Game of Thrones question so much as it is sharing a theory. Uh, so Devin shared with me a theory from Kate3378. This is a little bit of a spicy theory, and I kind of like it. Um, I read this with Jesse before we recorded, um, but Pat, this will be your first time hearing it. Okay, so here's the theory. After Daenerys finds out that that Jon Snow is the true heir, she goes full Mad King. She tries to have Drogon burn him, but he too is unburned. Interesting theory. Yeah. I know. I unfortunately can't subscribe to it because of my personal theory. But Yeah, yeah, I could I can see the reasoning there. We may yet hear it on the show. We may. Uh Laura asks, who do you think ends up on the Iron Throne? And who should end up on the Iron Throne? I mean, I'm all in on Gendry and uh Arya. Gendry had that tiny little camp, not, I wouldn't call it a cameo, but, but he had that little, uh, glimpse in the episode when he walked in during the intro right behind the hound. He did. 
Well, no, Gendry had a whole scene. Yeah, they flirted. Yeah. She gave him. Oh, the, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. She okay. handed him the napkin with the yeah. thing on it, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I really want it to be Jon Snow. I really do. You mean Jon Sand? You mean Aegon Targaryen? Yes, Aegon Targaryen. <laughs> Uh, B Beckel five asks for your most emotionally detrimental Game of Thrones moment. Cannot use the Red Wedding. Well, fuck. I was I was such a fan of Rob Stark. Yeah, I would say uh, probably how quickly they introduced the idea that Ned Stark was going to be beheaded and then just did it real quick before anybody really found out what was happening. Yeah, I was going to say that's definitely up there because it set the tone for the whole show where I was like, okay, so Ned Stark's going to be the guy who dodges and bobs and weaves everything while everybody else dies. Nope. And and within two minutes, it was like he's being taken outside and then he's gone. Sorry. I'll throw this one out there as an underrated one when Uncle Benjen has to stay behind. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he sends John off on the horse. And then he comes back like, way later on. And you know what? Because of how much goes on in the show, I, I kind of forgot about no, it. No, he doesn't come back, Mike. What I'm saying is, is is this is after he comes back. Oh, oh, I was thinking way back to the beginning. When no, no, I'm talking like when, oh, they, were, okay. when they when they left John behind. Oh, it, yeah, just recently, yes. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, I was thinking I was thinking way back early on season oh, yeah, yeah. on season yeah. two when he disappeared for quite a while. And then he came back and then came back a third time. Yeah. Because of how much With that big flaming ball of swingy thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So glad that made a appear- I, I, appearance. I, I want I want I want that weapon. Yeah. I was also gonna say, uh, because of how much that goes on in the show, I totally forgot about Daenerys executing Sam's family. Yeah. So like when that yeah. when that got yeah. brought up in the the, the, the uh, last night, I was like, I was like, oh, that's like, right. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, oh shit. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, oh well, my brother's still alive. It's like, no, nope, no, no, he's he not. is not. Sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Daenerys's uh, winter coat, by the way. It's dope. It's a dope coat. Uh, last question, Penguins related, from Daniela. Which would be preferred? Missing the playoffs full stop or this current first round run? I mean, if nothing else, you get the you get the revenue from the two playoff games. Was the answer? Yeah. So the, it was preferable, right? Yeah. Correct. Making the playoffs. I mean, it, yeah. It, because they're not a young yeah. because they're not a young team anymore. You always go into the playoffs with the hope that they can win, and they don't have anything to gain by picking three spots higher. Right. That's exactly what I'm going for. Uh, follow-up question, which would be more effective in pushing organizational change? I absolutely believe missing the playoffs would yeah, no, do that. Out. Yeah, you miss the playoffs, something's very off. The bare minimum expectation is to make the playoffs. So if they yeah, don't, yeah. that's that brings change. Yeah. I think that's all I got. God, I'm so happy Game of Thrones is back. I know. Me too, man. I'm probably going to watch it again tonight as soon as we're done here. I might rewatch it too. Oh. 
I've never been so into analyzing. I take that back. Like the one show I'll say I did analyze like this is a true detective season one. That, oh my God, the first season of that show was so good. Yeah. You could, you could have given me 10 episodes, full hour each of Matthew McConaughey sitting in a room drinking cans of beer. And I still would have watched it. <laughs> Dude, that was, I'm on, um, I'm on season one, episode 10 of the wire. Need to watch that. Really need to watch that. Yeah, I have not. Yeah. All right. Uh, plug in anything here? Nope. I mean, I could, but they're outdated. <laughs> I mean, I really, <laughs> I, I wrote, I wrote two pieces about the Penguins Islanders series for KDKA. They're on my Twitter. Check them out if you want. Uh, Athletic hired uh, Sean Gentilly. Steven Nesbitt and Ed Bouchette today. They sure did. Yes, they did. I gotta say, I'm a really big Sean fan. Same, like, absolutely. The part yeah. that I'm I'm most excited about in his first article today, I think the third or fourth word he used was nihilism. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm already into this. All right, count me in. Um, uh, I want to give a quick, uh, uh, just real fast, if you don't mind. Do you think? Real quick. Just want to give a quick shout out to Josh Yelly for breaking the news about Jack Johnson two times. Yeah, that was huge. That he was what? I, that he was scratched and then he was playing. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm going to write something this week. It's going to be a lot of depressing video. So you know, take your meds. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next uh, week when the Penguins are eliminated. Yeah, we'll talk to you then, and it's it's going to be a fun off season for this show let's just start there this is fully transitioning to a game of thrones show starting right now and uh we will chat with you folks next week 